Welcome to Sash Says, a podcast providing insightful conversations, connecting pageants, people, and purpose, where we believe in wearing your invisible crown, walking in grace, and leaving a little sparkle wherever you go. And now, here's your host, business owner, beauty queen, speaker, pageant coach, and all-around Southern Belle, Leah Hatter. Hi, Queens. Leah here. It is my pleasure to introduce today's guest to the podcast. Her name is Allie Curtis, and she is a rock star in the pageant world. Allie is the reigning Miss Rhode Island Earth USA 2020 and has graduated with several college degrees from prestigious universities, including Syracuse University and Brown University. She is an accomplished speaker with two TED Talks, which can be viewed online. Allie has been involved in nationally promoted platforms, educating women around the globe about the power of female involvement within the political world, and has largely contributed to both state and national service projects related to environmental responsibility. She is certainly one to watch. Allie, thank you for joining me on Sash Says, and folks, thank you for tuning in today. I give a huge Sash Says welcome to Miss Allie Curtis. host of Sash Says Podcast, and today I have with me Miss Allie Curtis. Allie, how are you? I am great. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Um, thank you so much for appearing on the show today. It's a joy to have you. So glad to be with you. Sure, absolutely. Well, Allie, I've been um, a huge fan of your work uh, for quite some time. I actually cheered for you when you were competing for Miss America in 2015, and then I've called, I've kind of followed your journey ever since. So I'm like one of your one of your groupies, one of your uh, social media stalkers. But anyway, <laughs> sure. So, um, like what I said, I'm so happy to have you on, and I just want to ask you some general questions, um, kind of about your pageant life and personal life, and of course, uh, dive into your platform. As well. So, Allie, would you mind telling us about how you began your journey in pageantry? So, it was actually 14 years ago this okay. year. So, it has been half my life. I was thinking about that today. <laughs> on my, my ride home from work, I've been doing pageants half my life. But I had been watching Pageant Place, which was an old MTV show. And I remember thinking they showed these pageant contestants in such a negative light and it was all about the drama Mm -hmm. and crying and I thought to myself you know there's more to these women and there's more to the service aspect of pageantry and I really wish I could see that and around that time I got a flyer in the mail from National American Miss and I had never really looked into doing a pageant and I just thought it was too serendipitous that this flyer had shown up at my house telling me about a pageant. So I asked my parents for my graduation gift from middle school, if I could do a pageant. And they said, well, you know, sure. We think it'll be great. It's a good way for you to enter high school with a boost of confidence and some new experience, but it can't be about looks. It can't be about beauty. It needs to be about developing skills. So my mom entered me in the spokesmodel competition 
at National American Miss, and I was not a natural with pageants. It was not something I just woke up one day and totally rocked. I was awkward. (laughs) I wasn't a great public speaker, and there were a lot of growing pains, but I'm so thankful I had those growing pains through an organization like National American Miss, where I could be the awkward teenager Mm -hmm. who really had this wonderful experience growing into a young woman who was articulate and driven. And um, I'd say that made all the difference in how I've gotten to be where I am now. Oh, that's absolutely incredible. And I've heard so many good things about the National American Miss program. And of course, um, a lot of the great opportunities uh, that it presents as well. And Allie, for uh, those of you who don't know, Allie is also a former Miss Rhode Island America um, she competed for the Miss America title. And so, Allie, would you mind telling us a little bit about your year as Miss Rhode Island and what all you've been able to accomplish since then? I loved being Miss Rhode Island. It was one of the best years of my life, and I did it concurrently while I was a student at Brown seeking my master's degree. So it was a juggling act, and it was also a wonderful year of service. And yes. I was able to do a lot with my platform Leading Ladies, which is an initiative to get more women in spaces where we've been historically underrepresented and in leadership spaces and most importantly, running for office. So I loved that experience. It's something I cherish to this day, Mm -hmm. and it's something that has also shaped me and led me to where I am. So, um, Alec, could you tell us a little bit more about Leading Ladies? Like, why should women become more involved in politics? You know, why should we, why should we care, honestly? For so long, there have been women who have something to say, who are driven, who have a stake at what's being done legislatively. Um, And for so long, women have not had these seats at the table in these decision-making bodies. So for there to be more women who are making decisions around our everyday lives, and for there to be more people who look like me and you at Mm -hmm. the table Mm -hmm. and seeing a more reflective decision-making body from the local level to the federal level. That's so critical. And it's exciting too, because we're seeing that more and more. And when I was in college, I started in political science. That was my major. And I had been working on student government as well. And I had a class where the professor assigned us a term paper, which was to be some political puzzle we needed to solve. (laughs) And my political puzzle was why are there so few women in positions of leadership? And it was something that I had seen from the inception of my time in student government, where I looked around and a majority of students on my campus were women. Mm -hmm. I want to say Syracuse was 54% women at the time. So we made up a larger portion of the student body but we were vastly underrepresented in our student government. And what I found was that interest in serving in these roles tapers off. So you'll see a young girl who says, I want to be president one day. And by the time that woman is in college, she's no longer interested in serving in some kind of capacity, especially in elected Uh office, where you're really putting yourself on the line. And there's a lot of difficulties and gender biases that come along with women running for office Mm -hmm. and we see it all the time where the female candidates have these different biases they face that their male counterparts aren't necessarily having so I wanted to tackle that get to the bottom of that and inspire a 
army of women who want to go out there and make these decisions and be a part of our leadership for everything from our local government to federal office, from boardrooms to battlefields. And that's very much so been a driving force, not just my time during my time as Miss Rhode Island, but beyond that. Yes, I think it's such a wonderful cause that you're getting out there and you're promoting um, for women to become more involved because I think um, with the more diversity you have, the more ideas that get presented to the table. You're also offered different perspectives as well. Um, And so, yes, it is uh, so good for you to be able uh, to go out and promote that particular cause. And related to promoting it, um, how were you able um, to kind of push it forward? Did you make speaking appearances talking about uh, leading ladies? Did you meet with young women one-on-one. I mean, how did you push this platform into the media? So it is a platform that applies to women of all ages and in all spaces. So I worked with Girl Scout troops. I went to schools, whether it was a middle school one day or a college campus the next. And I was able to work with organizations, one in particular, Running Start. And I participated in a program called Run With Running Start where we promoted the I Look Like a Politician campaign, and it was a national movement to have women declare, I look like a politician, because for so long there has been this perception of what it means to look like a politician and fit in this world. Mm -hmm. And it was even something I saw when I was running for student body president. I had fellow students of mine working with me on campaign strategy, and here we are as college campus students in our own domain. It's not even anything driven by party politics. It's definitely more of a peer environment. And I'm hearing from my peers, hey, don't curl your hair, wear some glasses, don't wear makeup, don't wear dresses, don't wear pink, don't wear florals. (laughs) These are all things that make you too feminine. Hmm. Or if you look too pretty, people won't like you. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't look pretty enough, People won't like you. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm getting mixed messages. And also my ability to lead has nothing to do with my looks. Yes. So we need to kind of cut through all of this and just say I'm showing up as I am. And if you get me in full pageant glamour with the hair and fake eyelashes and lipstick, then great. And if you get me in the library, in my glasses, reading, working on my homework, also great. Neither of those things have any bearing on my ability to lead, mm-hmm. and none of those things have any bearing on other any other women. So if you show up who you are unapologetically, that's going to change that perception of what it means to look like a politician, to look like a leader. And that's why I really embraced that campaign. And that was a huge part of the second half of my year as Miss Rhode Island. Oh, it's fantastic. And do you believe in the quote, um, every vote counts? Absolutely. Yeah. Every vote counts. Um, and we've seen that in, you know, in some really um, extreme instances where it really is down to the wire in some yes. precinct. And uh, we saw that in the last election. There was a town in Massachusetts that I'll drive through um, yeah. when I'm out <laughs> going up north. And I always think, OK, that's the that's the town where a Bernie district won by one vote, one over Hillary. And it, it really comes down to people showing up and turning out. And voting is something, again, that we'll be promoting this next year. And within the Miss Earth USA organization, we're actually getting nonpartisan training to get out and get people registered to vote through a program called She Votes. So I'm very excited to see a pageant that I'm a part of embracing that as part of their national platform. 
Oh, yes. And also, I urge um, voters to get out there and research the candidates before they yeah. vote for them. It's very surprising, you know, even locally within my community or um, in a former state that I lived in. Um, Allie, I would just hear um, person after person say, well, I'm only voting for this person because they're a part of this party or I'm voting for this person because, you know, my so-and-so knows them or et cetera. And they don't really, you know, pull out the information materials or, you know, look up each candidate and read their profiles and see like what they're voting for. Mm-hmm. I've realized that I'm an anomaly. I'm very much so a political nerd and have always been very <laughs> politically minded. Yes. And these are things that I've cared about from as early on as I can remember in my life. And that's just the influences that I've had in my own life. But um, one of the goals I set for myself this past year was to read every Democratic candidate's book because okay. now we have this whole field of new candidates. And everyone has a story to tell and everyone's coming at different angles from the party. And I'm I'm still working through all the books, but I did get through several. And I think it's so important to do a deeper dive. And no, not everyone in America is going to go out and read 10 books by different candidates. (laughs) But you can at least read 10 different platforms or check out 10 different websites. And, um, of course, the field is going to narrow itself during the primaries but voting in the primaries matters and it is so important especially in the earlier states where you really do have a say Mm -hmm. and you are determining who's going to be the last one standing when it comes to the nomination yes and i also um strive to watch um both parties political debates as well um because i want to say like both sides um, mm-hmm. You know, and hear their opinions, hear what they stand for, et cetera. And just like what you said, you've got to research and you've got to make sure that you understand what the candidate stands for because they, they do have so much power as a president or as a governor or even as the mayor. They can do yeah. so much for your community or they can destroy it. So <laughs> we've oh, got true. to make sure we're educated and I, voters. And big on making sure that everyone is looking at both debates. Yes. This is a, an odd year just because of the way it, it is a Democratic primary that we're looking at right now there hasn't been any (laughs) primary opposition on the right side but looking at the last election that was so important we were doing the same across the board um so it's it's an exciting time it really is the last election was interesting um I, i was shocked um by the way it turned out um not speaking in favor of either party, you know, just neutrally saying it, it, it was surprising uh, what the yeah, numbers came out to um, <laughs> from oh, both parties. <laughs> well, you mentioned this Earth USA system, and I think you have a title in it as well. So what's your current oh, title? And um, tell us a little bit about the Earth USA system. So I am Miss Rhode Island Earth 2020. I had just been Miss Rhode Island Earth 2019. So awesome. I have one more year left in the organization. I'm super excited about that. But the organization is very service driven, okay. which is important to me, especially having had that Miss America experience where it's a very platform driven organization. Miss Earth is no different other than the fact it's very much so focused on environmental issues. And one of our biggest issues that we're looking at as not just a nation but as the world is climate yes. change yes and that's something that's driven a lot of my own personal decisions um four years ago now i decided to make the transition to a plant-based lifestyle mm-hmm. and that was largely driven because of animal agriculture and the environmental impact that the meat industry in particular has on our environment and this is coming from someone who is a competitive chicken wing eating champion yes. in college <laughs> oh, <goodness>. uh, <laughs> 
So I definitely didn't grow up in a vegan or vegetarian environment by any means. And I made this change because it was important to me that I was making decisions every single day that would lessen my impact on our world. And I love that I'm able to advocate for that through the Miss Earth organization and that there is a focus on environmental issues. And we all look at environmental issues differently and come to the table with different solutions And it makes people think twice about the things they do every day from using single-use plastics to what they put on their plates. So how did you find out about the organization? It was something that I'd kind of known about for a couple of years, and I had hoped to compete with them actually the year prior, and I was unable to do so because of my Army obligations. And it worked out in my favor last year with my training schedule and the pageant dates and one more time, it's worked out in my favor with yeah. training dates and the pageant schedule. So I'm very thankful. I had the best time last year. And I love pageants for the reason that I continue to meet amazing women and make these wonderful friendships. So beyond the advocacy and just the sheer love of being in the pageant environment, yeah. I met really wonderful women through the process. And I couldn't say no to going back I just had to do it again (laughs) well was it um a little difficult like competing like from one system and then transitioning into the next system because there are some similarities and differences between the Miss America program or I think they're calling it Miss America 1.0 program and then you transition into the Earth USA so um, was that a little difficult So I went from Miss America to the next year competing in Rhode Island, USA, and then next year competing at Miss World America, and then into Miss Earth, USA. So I've now competed in these very large and robust pageant systems that all have a different scoring system. And there are definitely ones that have worked out better for me than others, Um, for example, Miss Uh, Miss World America was much better for me than Miss Rhode Island USA because I'm better athletically than I am in swimsuit per se and um, just one of the many categories that worked out better for me and with Miss World they actually removed swimsuit altogether and had a sports competition so that fared well for me Um, I love talent talent isn't my best category So it's unique to kind of go through these different systems and see what works for me or what doesn't. Um, I can't say there's been any one system that has been like all encompassing all of the perfect things that I wish could be (laughs) in all of the different elements. You'll never find it. (laughs) This earth works very well for me just because of the emphasis on service and platform and actually really making an impact and that being something that is a scored component of the competition. So there's a, um, a component called think global act local, and mm-hmm. you actually put together a service project in your own community. So I did a cleanup, cleaned up a local lake, and that was something that I could do in my own community that has an environmental impact. And it also was a component of the pageant. So that, that in itself has inspired me to continue being involved with cleanups and other organizations that are environmentally driven in my own backyard. So, Ali, you mentioned climate change, and there are so many different opinions and myths and so many floating facts out there. What exactly, like in a nutshell, is climate change? We've seen um, glaciers, for example, melting. Like, we've had resources and components that have been a part of things that we've 
assumed will be there forever. And we're seeing resources be depleted. We're seeing the overall temperature change and this upward trajectory far beyond what we had ever seen as a trend over years and years and years. And so much of this is people say sometimes, you know, it it might be human made. It's very much so human made. And we see that through things like animal agriculture. Um, We see that through our carbon emissions and um, being able to rest on our own carbon footprints has become critically important. So we're not contributing to this global issue. Um, So looking at this individually, because one of the biggest problems we have is we haven't been able to have a large spread, large movement where we actually are changing things through legislation, where we're actually totally moving as a society away from some of these um, really destructive industries. Um, So one of the things that some people will do is taking public transportation as opposed to using your vehicle every day um, or changing what you put on your plates. So for me, um, the plant-based lifestyle, that was something I said, you know, I think I can commit to this knowing that I am not going to further support the animal agriculture industry. Um, So I think the best thing that we can do is look for small solutions uh, to a big problem and us as individually, um, uh, us as individuals making these small changes in our own lives move the big industries away. So instead of legislating, hey, no more meat for everyone, if we're all of a sudden shifting the market demand and now there's this huge demand for plant-based items, we're going to see those things change. And even in the past four years, I've seen a huge shift where big companies are now totally changing the products that they put out on the market. There are dairy farmers and uh, meat producers who are accepting plant alternatives because they know that that has changed and they're embracing the fact that there is science showing that that former system has caused a great deal of environmental degradation. So you mentioned taking public transportation, um, eating less meat or not, you know, choosing not to eat meat at all. Um, Alec, I mean, could something as simple as recycling uh, plastics and, you know, different types of glass, et cetera, paper, I mean, could that help as well? Absolutely. Uh, and those are things the that use of water. So, yeah, like so, so involved in what we do on a day-to-day basis, like our recycling bins are very ubiquitous and um one of the best things we can do is make other environmentally sustainable practices also (laughs) ubiquitous so that's where the plant-based lifestyle and alternatives come into place um that's where public transportation can help and um i know i take my car every day to work so i think of ways that i can make a difference with what i have where i am and I know some people who have certain food allergies and other things that keep them from embracing a fully plant-based lifestyle. But again, it's making a difference with what you have and um, what works for your lifestyle. And yeah, we're going to have to give up some things. Um, Recycling, that was a habit that many people had to change. And it's now something that we don't think twice about. So doing things where we can just ingrain that in our day-to-day habits is one of the best things we can do to combat climate change. Well, and um, Allie, what's so surprising too is, like you said, it's just doing little things every day, just daily things, um, such as the recycling, taking public transportation, watching the amount of water that you use each day. But if those little bitty things, you know, can add up to a huge impact, I mean, why not? Why not jump on board? 
Um, right. I think it's just, you know, sometimes we're human beings and we get in a bad habit and, <laughs> or, you know, we don't want to let it go or we get addicted to something. And so, yeah. um, anyway, we should definitely look at our lifestyles and, uh, make sure that we're leaving, you know, this planet in better shape for the future generations. We'll be right back with Sash Says right after these messages. Ring on. Hey, everybody. It's Tim Tialdo, and you're listening to the Sash Says podcast. So it, I, I agree. It's so important. One of the things that's important to note is some people will, and I've seen it within the uh, the community of folks who are trying to make a difference through plant-based lifestyle, yeah. uh, where they get a bad rap because there are some people who come at this from a place of moral superiority and they think, yes. well, because I'm living this way and I've made this difference, well, I'm somehow a better person and because you haven't yet made this difference, you're not on that level. And we have to be patient with each other. We have to continuously be learning and opening our, our minds to different things. A couple of weeks ago, I was reading an article about how daily contact lenses are creating microplastics that are a terrible um, pollutant and do not help with water whatsoever. And I would never think about that, taking my contacts out every day, that that could actually have a negative impact on the environment as well. Oh, really? And um, it's one more thing where I'm like, okay, well, maybe I wear my glasses a couple days during the week. Um, I'm not ready to part with my daily contacts, or that's what I have. I have a full supply of these contacts. <laughs> yes. Maybe if I just wear glasses a couple more days, I can make a difference that way too. So continuously learning about different things that are having a negative implication in our world and um, making small changes in our life can lead us all to making bigger changes and making a bigger impact. So it's not that you have to drop everything right now and throw out everything in your refrigerator or totally change your lifestyle. Um, but even having like a, I have a plastic water bottle right here yeah. by my bedside. I always have a, something that's reusable. So I'm not making more waste than I need to. It all boils down to education and informing yeah. the public. So with this particular um, title, Miss Rhode Island Earth USA, and being able to travel around and make different appearances, et cetera, would you mind sharing maybe two or three of your most favorite appearances that you've made? With um, a volunteering event this past week that I loved. We have this great organization <laughs> called Save the Bay, and they do a ton of work environmentally in terms of clean water within our bay, but they also take in endangered species and other animals um, that are non-native species. I learned that there are a lot of tropical strays, um, other species that are not native to Rhode Island that um, make their way up to our bay, and they take them in, and they also help rehabilitate any um, sick animals and, um, of course, animals that are endangered and protect them if they can't support themselves in the wild. So they are redoing their aquarium and exploration center, and I got to go, um, one of my best friends from Miss Earth came down from New Hampshire, Miss New Hampshire Earth, and we helped repaint the inside of the aquarium, and we got to learn a lot about the species that they do home there, um, and some of the work that they're doing in our own backyard. Um, another one that I really enjoyed was uh, a cleanup with uh, Clean Ocean Access, which is another local organization, and um, 
it's good to just get out and enjoy some fresh air, enjoy the beauty of your own backyard and your own community, but work together to help clean up. And we had nearly 200 volunteers come out last Saturday to do this cleanup. And it was neat to see people from all different ages and Mm -hmm. all across the state come together uh, for the common good. I think my all-time favorite appearance since I've been Miss Rhode Island Earth was Free Cone Day at this wonderful ice cream store called Like No Utter, which I think is the best name in the world, Like No Utter. I just, I can't get over it. Like, how brilliant is that? But it's all plant-based ice cream. So there is a Free Cone Day that Ben & Jerry's does that had inspired this, and me and my um, elite sister queen, and elite is like the Ms. division, okay. um, who is also vegan, um, went and scooped cones, and they gave out free cones as a tasty form of activism and awareness, letting oh, wow. people know how delicious plant-based <laughs> ice cream can be, and how there's almost no difference to the regular ice cream, but it's in actuality a lot healthier for you and for the environment. I didn't even know, Allie, that they had plant-based ice cream. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah, that, how did it taste? So good. So there is like coconut milk based ice cream, almond milk based ice cream, cashew based ice cream. So you're having nuts in ice cream in yeah. lieu of cream and milk, and it's outstanding. Oh my goodness. I'll have to try that sometime. Um, I'm located in Tennessee, so I got to see if there's some plant based ice cream around here that I can purchase. I'm sure <laughs> it's catching on. I actually um, was in Tennessee for the first time um, a couple months ago. And I had a Nashville hot chicken sandwich, but it wasn't actually chicken. It was the best (laughs) sandwich I have ever had. And as somebody who used to be a chicken wing connoisseur, Uh um, I am very critical of the plant-based chicken. And it was very, very good. So I'm sure (laughs) um, in the greater Tennessee area, um, based on my experience in Nashville, by itself there's definitely some plant-based goodies that are catching on and even ben and jerry's is doing plant-based ice cream with almond milk and it is so good it's just like the original (laughs) my goodness yeah i'll have to try that sometime whenever i'm back in nashville um but i usually i'm guilty i either get one of those nice hot dogs at like a nashville predators hockey game or if i'm in memphis i do get the barbecue sorry (laughs) y'all But I do like the barbecue as well. Um, well, Ali, you had mentioned earlier whenever you um, began competing that within the media, um, a lot of times like pageant queens are stereotyped. Um, yeah. We're either made to look like we're silly or airheaded or, you know, we don't like each other. We can't fight, et cetera. So you have graduated from Syracuse and Brown. And those are very um, prestigious universities. So um, I would like to ask you, has anyone ever had a conversation with you or maybe judged you because you were like, quote unquote, a pageant girl or maybe assumed, well, Allie may not be as intelligent or she may not be able to understand this because you participated in pageants? Have you ever had that conversation with someone? I totally have had that really? uh, conversation many times. I just threw that out um, there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've had people say to me, you know, I never expected you to be fill in the blank, whether it was I never expected you to be smart, or I never expected you to be nice, or oh, I never gracious. expected all of the things <laughs> just based on their initial impression of yeah. me walking in someplace wearing a crown or having the reputation of being a pageant queen, whatever that perception may be. I think that perception has changed a lot in the past 14 years since I started. Um, I also think part of that is just the more people have got to know me and hear what I have to say and see what I do. 
those perceptions are automatically changed, uh, especially being in the military. Uh, it was something that I never wanted, especially when I first joined, uh, other people to know because I don't necessarily fit that mold and I didn't want to go into my first training environment having people know that about me. So I kept that secret. No one ever, ever would have thought anything different. And when people found out, they were stunned and couldn't believe it. And I kind of joked that it was the closest I'd ever be to being Hannah Montana, where I have these two <laughs> different identities. But in reality, they're more similar than they are different. They both require an extraordinary amount of resiliency and thick skin and determination and physical fitness is an aspect and mental fitness is an aspect and being able to not take things personally. Yes. And um, it was kind of cool for people to see, okay, well, she's just normal. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we have some, <laughs> you know, former Miss America contestant hotshot who thinks she's the coolest thing in the world. She went to Miss America. Like, it was a part of my life. It was a, a unique part of my life. And I was there with really amazing women who are super down to earth and want to make a difference. And um, not enough people see that. So I think sometimes the best way to change those perceptions is not leading with that. Uh, sometimes I can't get around that. And that's just one of the first things you know about me when I walk into the room. <laughs> but I love when people are pleasantly surprised. And when I also hear, you know, I, I had one perception of pageants. And now that's totally different. Even on my first date with my boyfriend, um, he did not know that I had done pageants. And when that came up casually in conversation, he was shocked. And oh he completely... <laughs> did not see that coming. And um, I love having that moment where people realize, okay, maybe there's more to pageants than I've given credit, or maybe there's more than what I saw on toddlers and tiaras. Oh my goodness. Don't even mention that show. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Don't (laughs) believe anything that's on it. Oh, yes. And um, Allie, what's another uh, crazy perspective, too, is I've had people assume that I was, you know, stupid or, like, incapable because I was a pageant queen. But then I've also had people, like, turn the tables to where they're like, oh, my goodness, you know, she's Miss So-and-so. I don't know how to act around her because it's almost like you're a celebrity. So you either get one extreme, you know, or the other. Right. And... (laughs) I think it's so fun and um, it's wonderful when these doors open for you, but yeah, like you, you are just you. And I even made a joke at a speaking event. I'm like, well, you, you got a celebrity, you got a D-list celebrity, Um, (laughs) you know, not anything out of the ordinary. I just am a part of an organization that helps women do extraordinary things. And I'm thankful for that every day. And when you support the Miss America organization or any one of these organizations, you're supporting the empowerment of women and the ability to get women in the door places that they wouldn't necessarily have the opportunity. Otherwise being able to say, Miss Rhode Island wants to come talk to you guys. Um, You have a kindergarten class, a high Mm -hmm. school class, college auditorium. It's not, you know, this, this girl who has a couple of things rattling around in her head that she wants to say, but Miss Rhode Island's here. And because of that, I guess she has something worthwhile. And I've been able to get my message out across because of that. And I'm forever thankful for that. And the hope is always one day, oh, it's not Allie Curtis, former Miss Rhode Island, but it's just Allie Curtis. But it helps bridge that gap for women 
who do have an important message and do want to make some kind of change. Oh, I think it's uh, wonderful, too, how you're able, I know that this is sort of a cliche quote that people just wear out, but you can truly use your crown as a shiny microphone to truly yeah. make a difference. And it really will, like, for those of you who are interested in maybe competing in your first pageant or, you know, you're thinking about, you know, entering the whatever it is system, um, you can use that crown and sash to make a difference. And it will open so many doors and opportunities that you've never dreamed of. And you also meet great people from all over the nation too and even um sometimes out of the country um so with that being said too Allie you have at least two TED talks I think that you've uh, been able to present so how did you get into speaking at TED talks I mean that just blows my mind that's incredible it was something that I set as a goal for myself. I wanted to just do one, and yes. I didn't think I would do two. And, you know, maybe in the future there will be another. And I keep saying I will apply for another when I have something else that I've put together and cooked up and want to talk about. But um, it's important that TED is spreading ideas and bringing yes. new ideas to the table. So until I have something new, I'm not going to do another one. But um, I had two things that have been cornerstones of my time as Miss Rhode Island and, and two messages that have been very indicative of who I am. And the first one was called Leading Ladies, Why Representation Matters. And that was about having women in government and technology and business and the spaces that we've traditionally not occupied. And then the other one was um, more personal and my favorite of the two, just because it was a, a personal narrative, and it's called Daring Daily, The Power of Practicing Courage. Okay. So everyone knows my shtick with leading ladies and how I think it's so important that we have women in these spaces. And luckily, I think we're living in a time where we've seen just this whole wave of women who are working on occupying these spaces and we have more women in Congress than ever. And um, we're looking at more diversity and a variety of fields and combat jobs are open to women. But um, Daring Daily was a deviation from that. And it touched upon that in some ways, but it was more so a journey I set out for myself. And it started when I was Miss Rhode Island and I was getting to the end of my year, and I didn't really know what was going to happen thereafter. We have this, you know, big, exciting time where you go to Miss America, and you're Miss Rhode Island, and you go everywhere in the sash and crown, and people recognize you, and they're asking you to go to events, and somehow you get roped into things you never would have <laughs> even thought about because people want Miss Rhode Island to be involved. And it, it was so exciting and um, rewarding, and I just always felt like, you know, the wheels are turning and then it hit me. Well, one day I'm going to take off this crown and I need to keep the momentum going. And I had set these goals for myself when I graduated from college. I wanted to go to Brown and I wanted to go to Miss America and be Miss Rhode Island. And I also had set a goal for myself. There are three things that I wanted and those are the first two. And the third was to become an army officer. And that scared me a lot. Um, I had gone to school for a variety of things and kind of had this path lined up for me. And I thought, you know, what are people going to say when all of a sudden I put that on hold and I go join the army and totally take a different career field and career change and um, not just a career change, but it's really a lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there are going to be scary things I encounter in that environment. And it's a process that scares me 
quite frankly. And um, I had said to my friend, my best friend at that point, we were at an event, she was my chaperone. And I remember saying to her, listen, in a year from now, I will have initiated the process to join the military. And I'm telling you this because I needed an accountability partner. And if I haven't done this in the next year, you need to say, get your life together and go get out the door and do what you really want to do. So I came up with the concept of a scare jar, okay. which was kind of like a swear jar, play on those, those words. Um, and I had a mason jar. And for the whole year, I did one thing every day that scared me in keeping with Eleanor Roosevelt's famous quote, do one thing a day that scares you. And I looked for ways to put myself out of my comfort zone all the time. And sometimes that meant raising my hand in class when I was super confused and I had no idea what was going on. And it's easy to play it off. Like, oh yeah, I got this. Like, I'll figure it out. I'm going to silently sit here in my own misery and I have no idea what's happening. Um, So I started asking for help where I needed it. Um, running was a thing that was really hard for me and really scary. And I didn't ever want to be involved in distance running. And, um, now here I am getting ready for my first marathon. Um, and going to grad school in itself, like there were classes that I had to take that were things I avoided math, for example. Yeah, me too. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I I got you sister. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So there were a couple of times where I really had to have a gut check. And I thought, well, what good is it going to be if I stay in my comfort zone and I don't push myself? So I think about this all the time. And something I think that surprises people, too, is um, while I have had a very public life and I can be very outgoing, I can be very introverted, too. And there were times where I caught myself really wanting to be quiet. When I thought, you know, I actually do have something to say and it would be the easy thing to sit here and be quiet Mm -hmm. Um, or it'd be the easy thing to not push this idea or not explore this or not converse on this topic. And having that mindset put me in a place where I was having a lot more broad conversations and conversations (laughs) that I otherwise was trying to avoid. And um, that mindset was what inspired that whole year uh, was what inspired my TED talk daring daily. And it culminated with me joining the military that year. And since then I've put myself in a lot of positions and a lot of places where I thought, wow, this is scary and it's uncomfortable and I'm not in my comfort zone. And especially being in a position of leadership, I can't be in my comfort zone and I have to make hard decisions and I have to do things mm-hmm. um, that I never would do in the civilian world. And, um, I'm thankful for that. So that was my second TED Talk in a nutshell. And the hope there is that other folks who hear that and um, have a dream in their heart or have some things that they really want to do that maybe they've been hung up on because they have seen every excuse in the book and have talked themselves out of their own dreams and goals, that they'll say, you know what, I'm going to get past this and I'm going to put myself out of my comfort zone and sometimes that starts just slowly flexing the muscle and it's it's like environmental awareness and living a sustainable life sometimes you're just gonna start small and do little things each day and next thing you know you're making a much broader difference because you've incorporated this to a larger extent 
Well, and I think, too, uh, related to what you've said, even within both TED Talks, it seems like this year everybody's saying that cheesy quote about it's 2020, 2020 vision. You know, we're going to get after our goals. We're going to run after what we've always wanted or we're going to work towards what we've always wanted. And so I love how you're getting out there and you're saying, you know, even if you take a small step, like it's one step at a time, eventually, you know, it leads to a mile and then it'll lead to wherever. Um, So anyway, yeah, that's such a wonderful and powerful message. Well, Allie, you've been able to accomplish so much, and you seem like you're really energetic. You're really, you know, motivated to get out there and make a difference. Do you have some type of, like, personal quote or a Bible verse or just something that you kind of live by or tell yourself each day? So my personal quote I just shared with you, that's my favorite ever, 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 (laughs) my mantra. Do one thing that scares you. Um, But you asked for a Bible verse, so I'll give you my favorite Bible verse, and it's iron sharpens iron. And um, that's something that I've always found important in pageantry, too, because so many people think we're competitive with each other when, in reality, we strengthen each other. And being around so Mm -hmm. many sharp women who have ambition and drive – and maybe are in totally different fields and want to make a totally different difference in the world and have totally different platforms. But we come together and we're able to learn from each other. And it sharpens me to be mm-hmm. alongside tough mm-hmm. competition and women who maybe know something that I don't know. And I can teach them something from my own experiences and my own platforms that they don't know. And that's a huge part of the empowerment that comes along with pageantry. And it should never be a competition with your sister contestants, but rather an opportunity for us to grow alongside each other. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, And other people have so much influence. And I know there's another quote floating around that says something about, you know, if you're the most talented or smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You need to surround yourself with, you know, great people who inspire you and don't let others intimidate you. And, of course, stay away from negative people who belittle you um, as well. We have to be discerning and selective, not judgmental, but um, be discerning and, uh, you know, selective about who um, whose presence uh, we're in for most of the time. Well, Allie, I have really enjoyed um, our conversation today, and I just want to uh, thank you so much for appearing on Sash Says Podcast. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, well, if anyone has any further questions or concerns for you, or maybe would like to book you for an appearance, um, how can we get a hold of you? So AllieCurtis.com is the best way to get a hold of me, and yes. my email is super easy. It is info at AllieCurtis.com. <laughs> So if you just Google Allie Curtis, you're bound to find me one way or another, and that is the best way to get a hold of me. Sure. And uh, to make a local appearance as well, uh, are you currently stationed in Rhode Island? I am in Rhode Island. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Um, Miss Rhode Island Earth USA, Allie Curtis. And Allie, again, um, thank you so much for appearing, and I want to personally thank you uh, for your service to our country. It's truly appreciated. so much. Yes. My pleasure. Hi there. Thank you so much for stopping by today and listening to another episode of Sash Says Podcast. Feel free to reach out to me at lhatter underscore pageants at yahoo.com. You can also follow me on social media at instagram.com slash sash says podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sash Says. Tune in for more engaging conversations soon. Until then, rain on.